All right, everybody, welcome back to a slightly different version of the Busted Header podcast. So today we're going to shelf the Pistons for a minute, as I'm sure a lot of people are happy about, and instead talk about the Matthew Stafford-Jared Goff trade that took place late last night. Um, kind of break it down for both teams and how they're going to move forward. And then also talk briefly about uh, Stafford's legacy as a Lion and in the NFL as a whole. Um, so I'm Chris, a.k.a. Not the Fake Webby on Twitter, and I'll be joined, um, as always, by Jake, a.k.a. Hal. Hey, so when you told me we were going to do a football podcast, I was like, oh, right, we'll bring Parks in, we'll get all... And then it was, it, it was American football. So, you know... It's not really your specialty, Parks, but welcome back to the pod anyway. Football is androgynous, Jake. I'm here for football it. Football is football. It's androgynous. It's the most homosexual of all sports. Sports and are gay. Wrestling has some words. Sports are gay. Wrestling has a lot of words. Sports are hella gay. And we're going to talk about men smashing into men. Yep. Love it. Uh, all right, and on that note, we're going to jump right in. Was that was that the intro you planned, Webster? Was that Was that what you were going for? As with all these podcasts, it starts off where I think it's going to go, and then it goes in a completely different direction. <laughs> Alright, so the trade itself is actually relatively simple on the surface level. So, Lions traded Matthew Stafford for Jared Goff, a 2021, uh, or this upcoming draft, third round pick, next year's 2022 first round pick, and the 2023 first round pick from the Rams as well. Um, some other cap notes... Now I want to I want to make a note that NFL like trading and caps and stuff I don't grasp I think everyone agrees with this as much as the NBA so I'm a little confused entirely how it works uh, but essentially what I read the Rams are going to eat 22.2 million in cap hits from Goff's contract for this year the 2021 season and the Lions are going to eat 19 million in cap hits from Stafford's contract so as it works out the Lions save three million there but i believe golf is on a more expensive contract so that's where it kind of equals out so which which uh, thing is more structurally understandable the stock market or nfl contracts stock market easily especially right buy low now. sell high <laughs> yep diamond hands hold the line people hold the line okay is there any media that can go like five seconds without talking about that this week Apparently not, because like, we we lasted two minutes and twenty seconds. It was all your fault. Yeah, I mean, for for reference, this podcast is taking place the first of you know first or sorry thirty first of January twenty. Approximately what so four days after the uh, GameStop spike. Oh yeah, we're we're late. We're late to the party, boys. All right, so for Stafford and the Rams, it kind of gives them a two to three year window where they'll be. Top contenders for a Super Bowl, especially in the NFC, uh, mainly stemming around having now an at least above-average quarterback to go with what seems to be a pretty good rushing game, some solid wide receivers, and one of the best defenses in the league that stars the, I say the best defensive player in the NFL in Aaron Donald, and then the best cornerback in Jalen Ramsey, who are still like in their prime, or in Ramsey's case, entering his prime. So for the Rams, I think it's just a a home run in sacrificing some future value to make sure that you can contend right now while that window is there. Which I would argue is the Rams' best talent of sacrificing a bunch of... I, I mean, haven't they been doing this since they made that Super Bowl a couple of years ago? I mean... In kind of preparation for they that? They were kind of doing it a little bit before is, then as well, but also that's kind of a thing for the entire NFC West because the Seahawks are doing the exact same thing. <laughs> True. So it's just kind of like a nuclear arms race on the West Coast to try and 
see what team is going to be the juggernaut each year. I mean, that, prob- that probably leads into a smaller discussion, or a different discussion, rather, about which division is, like, the most just... Like, like the most powerhousey with like so many teams fighting for that top spot. And I mean, in the correct me if I'm wrong. Oh, go ahead. In the NFC, Sorry, it's definitely between the West with you know top quarterbacks and Russell Wilson, now Matthew Stafford, Kyler Murray, and whoever the 49ers end up with, and the South, which is Brady, possibly still Breeze, Matt Ryan, probably for another year. So it's between those two. East is not great. North is. Yeah. <laughs> I, w- I would like to interject with a question. Did you intentionally make a quarterback joke when you called it an arms race? I did not, and I still don't think I fully understand what uh, you mean by that. Okay. Buttums. Oh, arms race. Ah, they throw with their arm. Yes. There, there you go. There you go. There you go. Yep. I, I should just be here to make sound effects Thank on you. the podcast yes. when you guys talk yep. about normal stuff. All right, so on the yeah. Lions' side, they get a jump start in their rebuild, uh, which is going to include multiple first-round picks, another valuable third-round pick this year. Um, and it kind of gives them flexibility and long-term cheap contracts for the future, especially since the first-round picks don't come until 2022 and 2023, which the other upside with that is that, say, the wheels fall off on the Rams. Was there, <laughs> they have a lot of like very narrow pieces, and we saw what happened with the 49ers, where you lose Bosa, you lose their tight end, and next thing you know, they're not even making the playoffs. So if the Rams kind of fall apart for a year or two, those could be extremely valuable picks. So I guess my only question as uh, I would say an I would say an avid football fan, but one who pays attention, um, like in the fantasy perspective and obviously to the Lions as well, what does that mean for, like, let's say the Rams are still competitive over the next, what, you, those picks are valid. Like those picks are what twenty twenty two and twenty twenty three. Is that fair to say? Yep, twenty twenty two, twenty twenty. Is that right? Yep. So, like, let's talk worst case scenario where the Rams are like you know NFC South champions. Sorry, NFC West champions. Apologies. Mm-hmm. And they end up like going okay in the playoffs, like maybe divisional round. What happens to those picks? Are those picks as as valuable? Or I mean, they're not going to be um, as valuable. But the yeah. main thing with kind of the first round picks, especially, is kind of getting the longer contract. I believe they come with like five years. The NFL is really weird with their contracts. So they they have a long term. Oh, I didn't know that. It's a longer deal than like a third or fourth round pick, which is a little bit shorter, uh, a little less I money guaranteed. You. So so if you nail a home run rookie with those first round picks, you're guaranteed, you're locked in for a, at least a five year deal, right? It's something like that. I, I believe it's five or at least it used to be five. So Okay, so that that's a lot more valuable than I thought it was. Yeah. And compared to like, the NBA or, or some other sports, like you kind of expect picks to come in and contribute pretty early. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're also getting a couple first round picks back to back is a like it's unlike the NBA, say, where you get a first round pick and you really don't expect that guy to contribute for three to five years. This mm-hmm. these are kind of immediate boosts to your rebuild getting these high picks. And even if it's the 30th pick in the draft day one picks in the nfl draft are still incredibly valuable yep and there's also the way where you can bundle them together to make a move at someone say say we end up being halfway decent next year but we really want a quarterback you know first or second round first or second overall pick we could bundle some of those picks together to move up as well so very important draft capital to get and as a whole i think the trade works out really great for both sides i was as I'm sure a lot of people either have seen on Twitter or if you talk to me personally, 
I was very against the Lions trading Matt Stafford. I think when you have like a bona fide franchise quarterback like that, you your window is always somewhat open. Uh, now with Stafford, they didn't have a whole lot around him, which we'll talk about later. Um, but the window was always there as long as he was healthy, as long as he had a decent coach around him. So it kind of hurt giving up that. But the fact that you get Jared Goff, who was another first overall pick, he's had a good year. He had a one good year and a couple okay mediocre years. And if he has the opportunity to turn that around, it could actually be an incredible steal getting Jared Goff just kind of thrown in that. Now his contract is not the best, but nowadays for an average NFL quarterback, you're paying out the ass as it is. So I'm not as concerned, I think, as a, as a lot of people are about it. So do you think they hold on to him? For me, the play is to move him on as fast as possible. I mean, Send Jared Goff I'm to the Colts about how- or something and... I'm always confused by how that works, but from what I've heard, it sounded like some of the capital that was given, like the like Stafford wasn't going to be getting all that draft capital by itself. I, from what I heard, at least the third round pick this year was you need to you give us this pick for us to take Jared Goff. So it didn't sound like he had any value outside like a tanking team right now in the NFL. So maybe it changes yeah. down the road, but it looks like he's going to be a lion for at least the next year. I guess. And just looking at the the 2021 salary cap for the Lions, and I may be interpreting this wrong because, like you mentioned at the beginning, the NFL, like, salary and trade structure is very confusing, especially for people who are fans of different leagues and different sports entirely. <laughs> but it looks like he's getting a $2.5 million roster bonus. Uh, I don't know if we could explain that one. That's but... just kind of built, that's just uh, built into the, I guess, into the deal. It's just saying if he's okay. on the roster at that point. Um, he gets which the NFL is always very weirdly set up. So the thing you need to pay attention with NFL deals is usually one the year because you know how many years it's going to be, and then two mm-hmm. you look at the dead cap and how much is essentially guaranteed or owed to the player. So this uh, brings the okay. good point that you brought up. Um, so Jared Goff, everyone sees this four-year deal for 134 million that kicked in uh, starting next year. Next year, yeah, I think so. Everyone's used that four-year deal and think, oh, we're stuck with him for four years. we got to pay him all this money. That's not the way NFL contracts work. Um, in reality, the only years that are guaranteed are this year and next year, the 2021, 2022 years. So realistically, there's no way around keeping this year. He's got too big of a cap hit. There's no way we can take him off for the 2021 season. But the 2022 year, you can cut him and he'd only be, his dead cap would only be $15.5 million as opposed to the $25.5 million that he's owed. So he'd be saving $10 million there. And then the next two years are not guaranteed for any money. So although right now he's on the books in 2023 for $25 million, in, in 2024 for $26 million, he can be cut prior to whatever date those years guarantee without costing any cap at all. It's, a, it's essentially a team option. So that's where I'm kind of... Once I saw the contract, I really like this trade a lot more because it gives you one to two years to be like, what is Jared Goff? Can he is he an above average NFL starter? Can he like make the playoffs with a team like the Lions, or are we moving on from him? And then you can cut him at the end of twenty twenty two for no money going forward. So, what do you think the odds are that the Lions are in a position? Like, let's say Jared Goff is at least a mid level quarterback, you know. 
What do you think the odds are that mm-hmm. the Lions have surrounded him with enough to contend by 2023? I would like to see it the I would like to give that answer at the end of this offseason because there is a lot of uncertainty. <laughs> Very specifically, I'm, I'm not saying like, you know, who they sign, all that kind of crazy stuff, like who they bring in. I want to see do they re-sign Kenny Galladay? Because right now he's an unrestricted free agent and we have done nothing to like keep him here and it looks like he really wants to go. So hopefully the new front office comes in and says, hey, Kenny Galladay is a stud. We need to re-sign him and keep him in Detroit. Because Goff is known for his... He has a he's pretty good with running the ball. He makes some bad decisions, but he's got a great arm and he's got arm talent. He can throw a deep ball and I Kenny Galladay is one of the better deep ball receivers in the league. So I'd be very curious to see them together and see what they can do. So I don't think they're gonna you know make the playoffs with those two alone. But I think with with those two there, at least they have a somewhat formidable offense. Especially if John Dory Swift works out and is a good running back. TJ Hawkinson continues to be a good uh, tight end. Like there's, there's a lot of upside on that offense. If Jared Goff just, if it clicks for him and it might have been that Sean McVay's offense was too much for him. Sean McVay is one of the smartest coaches in the league and by all accounts, Jared Goff is not exactly a Harvard graduate. So maybe it was just too much above his head and if we have a new coach that comes in and simples it out for Goff, and it's something that Goff understands, maybe he takes off. There's a lot of upside, I think, with this Lions team, especially on the offense. So I'm curious to see what they can do. And, and Dan Campbell seems like a very simple man yeah. in terms of his, like, well, all right, maybe not simple, maybe simple in terms of his offensive scheming, but not simple in terms of his appetite. <laughs> so we'll talk about that one, I'm sure, later. But, I mean, Looking at looking at Goff's stats over, and and that's an interesting that's an interesting point you brought up, um, Chris was Goff Goff made, I like I like the point you made was that maybe Goff is in too advanced of a system for himself, um, and I I'm honestly curious like how that system has evolved too because obviously I think we look back at a few years and, and and I'm sure most people who watch football regularly watch remember that like. That Rams uh, Chiefs game where it was like what fifty six. Mm-hmm. There was like one hundred and eight total, like you know, one hundred and eight points like of the offense. greatest football game ever watched. <laughs> yeah, like I'm sure everyone remembers that one. Or you know, if you were in a bar at that time, maybe you don't remember that one. Um, but just just thinking about like that season, how far the Rams went, and they got really lucky against the Saints in the playoffs. Yeah, you know, they made a Super Bowl. I mean, Goff had decent stats for that. I mean that. Uh, that was the 2018 season. He started three to three games in the postseason. Obviously, lost in the Super Bowl. 106 attempts, 59 completions, and that was a that was a very pass heavy offense. I know, obviously, a mm-hmm. lot of those were thrown to, like you know, dump off passes to Todd Gurley. But yep. he only had a single touchdown. He had two interceptions, and he he had a game winning drive. But a lot of that is probably down to his tools around him. And I mean, like the fact that he doesn't have at least three or four touchdowns in almost a three game span in a playoff run is kind of concerning, at least from my standpoint as a, as a neutral lions fan saying, okay, you, you, you come from this system where you don't have, I don't know anything about Dan Campbell's system, right? Because he, he has yet to instill one. So we can't judge him as, as quickly. We can't judge him that, that up front. But I don't know if he because nobody knows what Dan Campbell's system is, including Dan Campbell. No, I, true. I, let, let's give the man some time. He just literally walked into a job and talked about eating kneecaps. So we'll give him some time on that one. Um, 
But I, I, I'd be curious to see what, what golf can do with fewer tools. And like you said, right, it may just be he was given like 30 options to, to complete a play where really not, in, you know, in reality he needed five. Right, that may be that may be the case, but I'd, I'd be curious to see what he does with fewer tools in his arsenal well, all around. My my biggest concern with Goff is that the years that Goff was good, 2017, 2018, were the two years where he was like he was really looking like he was going to be one of the top quarterbacks in the league. And the kind of dirty secret behind the, the Rams during that time was that they passed the ball a lot, but the thing that made their offense tick was Todd Gurley. And if Todd Gurley is not there averaging five yards a carry, Goff has been pretty unspectacular. And while all you know quarterbacks do a lot better when they have a good running back behind them and kind of take the pressure off, I'm just nervous because the Lions have shown no ability to do that for Stafford in the past. And I'm going to be really concerned if Goff comes in, we have no running game, but it's just the worst hits of Stafford, except for you got a worse player now. <laughs> so... You're getting literally the, all the downside of Stafford, which the man, the man, uh, like he got destroyed in Detroit. Like, look at his injury list. Mm-hmm. Even when he as, and and Chris, you're probably better at telling me this one than anyone else. Did he ever have like a, a sufficient? And I, I don't want to jump the ship over to Stafford too early, uh, but did he ever have like an like an actually decent offensive line to cover him in his what ten no eight years at Detroit? Uh, he always had. His entire time, he had not great offensive lines. The one year that was supposed to be like the the year where we brought in a lot of offensive line talent was supposed to be, I think, 2018. But during that same year, um, who was the first-round pick we drafted from Ohio State left tackle? Decker? Uh, Decker. Decker got hurt. Our new, the guys that we signed that year got hurt, and it was just... That, that offensive line just never kind of came together in the way that it was projected to be. But mm. other than that, we had some, I would say we had some, like, good, like, offensive players. I'm trying to think of, or offensive linemen. I can't think of exactly um, any off the top of my head. Like, we had Bacchus there, I'm sure, for a little bit. We had Riola was probably there for a little bit. He, he the had a couple of offensive lines that were, like, the 8th to 10th best yeah. lines like once or twice he never had like a top five offensive line and he spent most of his career with like bottom 10 offensive lines he's yeah. he's still okay. like one of the five most sacked quarterbacks in his time in detroit yeah he was definitely offensive line was not the worst thing he had to deal with um on the team but it was never i would say it was never a, a fully strength it, we were never like the top half of the or the top 10 league or something like that so We'll talk a little bit more later about kind of Stafford um, and his time in Detroit. But uh, since we're on the topic, I do want to kind of talk about, you know, what um, he can expect uh, for Stafford on the Rams because he gets the chance to finally ditch the the icy cold winters of Detroit. And now he's going to sunny Los Angeles. So he's doing the reverse Blake Griffin, and he's pretty lucky in that regard. Um, And in addition to that, he's also going from probably the worst run franchise in the NFL to one of the better one of the better ran ones in the NFL which is kind of surprising to say that the Rams Can are you there please tell that to Arsenal fans thank you yeah I know that's I was trying to figure out how to say that without really uh sounding like I'm not an Arsenal fan and realizing how much Stan Kroenke doesn't care about Arsenal soccer pod coming quick Hal don't worry yep we're at plenty of special pots in the we'll, next couple weeks here we'll, we'll touch on that one later um but he goes from a team that had the worst defense in the league 
to one that had probably one of the best, if not the best, defense in the league. And for the first time in his career, he inherits a top 10 rushing team that includes a pair of really talented young running backs. And one of which in, uh, what's his name that I've now forgotten, uh, Cam Akers, Akers. who showed a lot of flashes in their playoff games and looked like he might have what it takes to take to the next level as well, which is something that Stafford has never had behind him. Um, He goes from a team, here's the offensive line one for you. Uh, Stafford goes from a team that was 22nd in sack percentage to a team that was 6th in sack percentage. So he goes from a team where they were allowing a lot of sacks to one that's allowing not many at all. And then he goes from a team where the top two receivers had a catch percentage, career catch percentage of 58% and 61% to a team where the top two receivers catch 67 and 71% of the passes thrown to them. So that's a big upgrade that I think people are kind of leaving off. And then lastly, of course, he goes from a team that was coached by Matt Patricia to a team that's coached by Sean McVay. So I'm hoping in 2021 Stafford can finally show what he's capable of with a real team and a real franchise around him. Yeah, that's like upgrading from a Toyota Prius to, I want to say a Cadillac, but I feel like Cadillac that's, is not fast enough. I, I let, let's CTSV, put him in like a that's BMW. Fair. That's fair. Yeah, uh, that's fair. I, I, a good, a good old CTSV. Yeah, we'll, we'll make an American made. So where do we think the Rams are going to go next year? What do we think, where's kind of their ceiling on next year's team with just considering the Stafford uh, trade from golf? That's a good question. Jake, you want to you wanna run that one first or I, should I? I don't know enough about the NFL. I'm just here so I don't get fined. <laughs> just along for the ride. Okay, I'll... I can yeah. I can take it. I can take it first. So uh, you have to take into my background as an NFL fan. I really just follow it for fantasy football purposes. As most football fans do nowadays. As, as well, yeah, true, true. Um, I think they've got a huge chance. Uh, so that entire division is interesting. I don't know if the Seahawks are going to last next year. Like Russ just – this may be a Pete Carroll coaching decision, but I think Russ looked kind of out of it the last, what, like six games down the stretch. Their offense fell apart. They went from you know demolishing people and having no defense to being very conservative. So you've got that. You've got the Seahawks kind of middling. I don't know if they're going to have enough to get through this. You've got Kyler, who is still very young, but you can see the instant he can't run, he kind of falls apart. And then what? Who else is in that division? Seahawks, you know, Cardinals, Rams, and then who else is in the NFC West? Chris, the 49ers. So, I mean, honestly, I only really see the 49ers as a real threat in that division. I mean, well, <laughs> Seahawks fans are going to claim Seahawks are growing, and they're going to be, you know, usually pretty good. But I would say that the Rams and the 49ers are kind of my pick for, for you know, winning that championship next year, or that, that division title, rather. I mean, I feel like you're sleeping a lot on both the Cardinals and the Seahawks because Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson are arguably the two best quarterbacks in that division. And the Cardinals, I feel like they had some injuries on defense and down the stretch didn't do as good. Part of it, I'm going to say, is probably coaching because I don't think they have that good of coaching in Arizona. But I feel like that team, if they Kyler's healthy, they can compete with anyone. The Seahawks still have a lot of good defensive players so they just need to figure out how to put it together. But they still have Russell Wilson. They're always a threat to win that. So that's why I think it's going to be probably True. the most competitive division in football next year. There are four teams that could all win that division. I think the Rams have the highest ceiling, but anyone can win it. 
I'm throwing out just an ignorant point of view at this point. So let me continue that ignorant point of view and say, if the Rams come at it, you've got Stafford throwing the deep ball well. Um, and I think the the fact that he's just a tough dude, you're not going to have to deal with injuries like they ran into kind of towards the postseason, right? The Rams ended up winning the division this year, squeaking through. I'm in a right, challenge on that point, into, though, because Stafford played through a lot of injuries, but he also got a lot of injuries. Jared Goff true. has played through injuries as well, as you saw him playing through the broken hand. But... He hasn't got injured as much as Stafford does, and he's also obviously younger. I think we already covered the offensive line difference, though, which is huge. Yeah, the offensive line difference is important, but, I mean, anything can happen in terms of QB And Stafford should be throwing, like, 70% as many passes because they can actually run the ball. Yeah, which I think is the biggest thing. So he shouldn't be nearly as exposed either by volume or by his offensive line. Mm Mm-hmm. Agreed. And, and and so, to back to Chris's question, I think you make a really good point, Chris. Um, that division's like literally just a murderer's row of, of teams. I, I correct my standpoint. Uh, normalizing, normalizing, changing your opinion under new information. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I do think with... The Rams are kind of like that complete team in my mind, though. Like, I, And you've highlighted that throughout what you said about them. That defense is nasty. Like, you have probably the best pat... And I... I I would say the best pass rusher probably the last what five years. I think I think Aaron Donald's better than Khalil Mack. I think that's pretty safe to say at this point. Depending on how far back you go, JJ um, Watt would like a word, but I think I probably agree. Aaron, Aaron Aaron Donald does things that no one else in football has ever done. Yeah, like I love the there's a there was a gift from the first game of this year, like the week one where he just ran over two people. He got double teamed and mowed both of them down and crushed a quarterback. Like he's one of the few. The guy's a truck. He's one of the few like defensive linemen who can not only like bull rush you right into the quarterback and then run around you in the next play. Like yeah, usually like, you get one or the other. But he has it all. He has the footwork, he has the speed, he has the size, he has it all. Well, and he's also a, he's also an interior lineman. He's not the edge rusher like he mm-hmm. he has to do it all and he does both the rush and the the run or both the run and the pass defense like at a high level in a way like yeah. even JJ Watt at his peak, was an elite pass rusher and a solid run defender. He was never doing both the way mm-hmm. Donald does. Yep, true. And and you've and, and you highlight this too. You've got probably one of the best corners in the game coming into their prime in Jalen Ramsey. So that's two huge defensive pieces that teams like drill. You know, teams run. You know, or sorry, teams expend first round draft capital on. Mm-hmm. And they've got both of those guys. They've got a. A pretty legit defense. That defense carried them into the playoffs. I would honest. I, w- I would like to say right because you've got a good run game, and Goff was pretty mediocre, and you've got you know this defense that's just killing people, and then you pair that with an actual QB who can be lethal, who has clutch capabilities. We've seen how many game-winning drives Stafford has put on despite the Lions' horrible luck, despite the Lions' penchant for throwing away leads and. Despite the penchant for you know just completely failing and falling apart in the clutch, Stafford has pulled them together. Mm-hmm. Now Stafford is a is a clutch QB. The Lions are not a clutch team, and the fact that you can say both of those statements is really more of a testament to what Stafford can put together than rather what the Lions are. So they've added a very and like the thing is we we talk about Stafford's injuries. He's not that old in comparison. He's I didn't realize this. He's only thirty two. He's about to turn. He's just been <laughs> to like. Yeah. Okay. 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 By the time, by the time this thing comes out, he's thirty-three. But still, that's very young for a QB. He's just been put through the wood chipper because he's had no. He's had a sieve in front of him to block. Because he plays in the so, Detroit Lions. <laughs> exactly. So, 
if you get a healthy Stafford, I think you've got a huge chance at going deep in the playoffs because what did the what what did the Rams lack in the last couple of playoff games? Right, they had a guy who, I mean, Goff is Goff. Like you know what you're going to get with him, and that's fair. You guys you have some consistency, but I don't think you get that X factor you get with Stafford who can huck a 50 yard pass and and put it on a dime for a receiver. I mean, Goff has the arm strength, but I don't think he has that. That mentality of like being a clutch player and also being just tough as nails. It'll be interesting, yeah, and, I think, and I'm sure we'll get into it'll that. Be, it'll be interesting to see what Stafford looks like when he can actually manage a game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's never really been in a position to just see games out. He's always had had oh, to yeah. chase and gunsling his way through games. So it'll be really interesting 110%. to see what happens when like, hey, we spent the whole second quarter just running, and. Now we come out yeah. in the third and we're running play actions that actually have people biting on them because he actually has a running back. Matthew Stafford's play action is going to be fun to see. You know, some he, he's always had to throw 60 passes a game because that's what the Lions needed. And, you know, I th- nobody can tell you he's a bad quarterback, but, like, he's had to make some mistakes because he's had to make some gambles in some of these plays. And he should be in a position, hopefully now, where... He's not going to have to do that. He's going to be able to say, oh, we're going to run the ball on first down and not lose six yards. And I'm going to run a play action and people are just going to swarm me. And hopefully that's, you know, really good for him. <laughs> yep. Yeah, or not have to dig himself out of a, like, they're, they're, at, they're at third and ten, right? And he has to dig himself right. out of that drive right. because he's the only one who can. Yeah. Ho- hopefully he no, only has to attempt one or two game-winning drives instead of 11. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like he, I, there's probably a season where he had to do that multiple times. Like, or not multiple times. Well, there was. The well, there was. There was what? Was it 15, like 16, somewhere in that range where it was literally like he had like seven game-winning drive attempts. I think it was. Was it 2014? He had eight game-winning drives. I think I, I could be wrong that's, on that year, but that's insane. I know he, he had did eight it. over the years. Was that? Wait, you said 2014. He had 2016. Okay. <laughs> he had five game-winning drives in 2014. He had. Eight in 2016. Oh, just the five. Yep. You know, just, no biggie. No biggie. And wasn't 2014 the, the year they, they made the playoffs? Yep, that was the year that they lost in the wild card yeah, against and, the and, Cowboys. And, and, and a bullshit call. Never forget. Never forgive. We won't. Yeah, no, we we don't talk. Uh, we have so many calls we don't forget. Um, but I think that's the reason why, if you're a Rams fan, yeah, you gave up a ton of capital for the guy. But... Look at what he did with one of the worst franchises in NFL history. He, like, single-handedly, probably not single-handedly because football's a team game, but, like, <laughs> you've got a quarterback who's the bleeding heart of a team. This dude made the playoffs with a, with a Lions team that literally tries to shoot itself in the foot every time it plays. So give the, give the man some credit, and he's got an actual arsenal now. He's got guys who can catch a ball out of the backfield. He's got a running game, like you mentioned, Jake that can actually drive an entire quarter, eat up clock, and manage it. Mm-hmm. And he has a defense that won't completely just, com- won't, won't let up 70-yard bombs on him and have him go back out in the field ten minutes, you know, five minutes later to, to try to regain the lead. Yep. So I think I think Stafford's in a huge place, and I, I'd be really interested to see when he has a full arsenal of weapons and he has the keys to the, you know, keys to the, He's to the kingdom and can do whatever he wants. So I, I'm I'm very curious to see how that works yep. out. And one more, but I have a lot of hope. One more thing I want to talk about before we move on in terms of Stafford on the Rams is something I think he brings that Jared Goff doesn't, just because of his age and experience and time in the league, which is kind of a, a hunger to win. 
I think Jared Goff, what was it, his second or third year, he's in the Super Bowl. He's playing on a good team. He's got a lot of good things around him. Stafford has struggled through those some of those years in Detroit. And I think going into L.A., knowing I'm coming in there to kind of like be the last piece of the puzzle here, like I think that's going to be something that will set Stafford apart in a way that people haven't talked about. Or he's going to come in with that hunger and that drive to really show himself. He's got a new spotlight in L.A. He's got a great new coach. He's in a great opportunity. So I'm really hopeful to see what he can do as the main guy in a big team, in a big city, and where he can do what he can do going forward. Plus, there's just like the, the magic of he's in L.A. And like Stafford's a really personable, fun guy. Mm-hmm. That because he hasn't been in uh, a media market that's really that great, I mean, Detroit pretty much wastes its uh <laughs> like the advertising power of its athletes. Whoa, whoa, it's, whoa. He's in a Ford commercial. Come on now. Let's not talk I mean, too much. Here. Sure, but also it's awful. It's 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 embarrassing how bad Detroit has been at doing like Calvin Johnson's big thing was for the fucking steakhouse. Um uh what's uh brands? Like that was Calvin Johnson. Oh, you had yeah. Me- you had Megatron, and his com- his big commercial success was Brand's fucking Steakhouse. It's embarrassing. I don't feel like and Calvin's really LA, a commercial like, guy though. <laughs> you're gonna see a Calvin's whole a lot of that Stafford media. Yeah, and that'll be fun to see. It'll be fun to see him kind of being because he's man also like a, a really funny dude. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so now we're going to jump back and kind of go back in time a little bit and look at Stafford's legacy over the years and kind of how he's done through his 11 years in Detroit. Um, So we can start off with specifically his history with the Lions. And at least for me, I think he goes down undisputably as the best quarterback in Lions history. Not that there's been a whole lot of competition, especially over the last 60 years. (laughs) Literally, who is the competition? The competition is Bobby Lane, who played in the 50s and was on a good team, but was before the Super Bowl era. Yeah, that's no, your competition. There is no competition. <laughs> it's, it's not that's, a conversation. It. Jeff Garcia? Is that? Hmm? He sounds fun, but other than that, Jeff Garcia definitely sounds like a stand-up comic. <laughs> he'll, he'll he'll be here all week. That's all that matters. He's a decent football player. So yeah, so for Stafford, kind of breaking it into perspective, he had more yards and touchdowns than the next three highest quarterbacks combined for the Lions. Now, part of it, of course, is the era that he played in. Bobby Lane, Scott Mitchell, and Greg Landry, they were much older times. Uh, but as the only successful quarterback in the 2000s and really in really in the mid-90s since then, Stafford kind of had that advantage of being the one who's going to be a every single record, and he's always going to be like that benchmark for any future quarterback, which I think is good because it, before it was just kind of like, all right, it's Stafford, and he's... He's like the prophet. He's the golden son. What can he do? Now someone else has something to measure up to. Um, any future quarterbacks, whether it's Goff or someone else that we get. So um, between that and him having the highest completion percentage in quarterback rating of any Lion, while also having the lowest interception percentage of any Lion who played more than a season, I think it's something else that's not talked about enough. Everyone likes to harp on Stafford for his interceptions and oh, he turns the ball over so much and has all these problems. But really, he doesn't do it as much as people think. It's just the ones that stick out in their mind. 
and a lot of it as I think especially more towards this prime Stafford had a lot of very unfortunate interceptions where it would be thrown to a guy he'd drop it it would bounce off his knee and it would go to the safety so I feel like in that respect Stafford's been very unlucky it was what was it like 2016 2017 where it was literally like I think five or six interceptions that were tipped interceptions yeah just the worst with the exception of like Golden Tate and obviously Calvin, who's Calvin's always the exception when you're talking about Stafford. There haven't really been a lot of sure-handed receivers, I feel like, for Stafford to play with. And, I mean, you could always say, oh, well, let's, you know, the quarterback is part of that. They need they need to give them a ball that they can catch. But I feel like Stafford does a pretty good job with that. It's not Cam Newton rocketing them into the ground. So, I think... Blowing dude's hands off. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's no competition in terms of who... Stafford is going to be compared to in terms of Lions history. Old, old, old guys are going to say, oh, it's Bobby Lane. I watched him win all these titles. But within the last 60 years, there's zero competition. Um, But in terms of looking at all of NFL history, Stafford's also doing pretty damn good in that too. So he's currently 16th in the NFL in yards and also in touchdowns. And in both of those, he's also the sixth highest active all time behind, of course, Brady, Breeze, Rogers, Big Ben, and then he's tied with or like right behind Matt Ryan in a lot of statistics. So as well. I, I would throw those numbers in context too, because how old? I mean, we also know we always know uh, we don't know. Um, I'm not talking correctly. <laughs> the the age of all those quarterbacks you just mentioned, hard. right? Like where is Stafford ranking mm-hmm. all those guys with a worse, objectively worse team? So. If you look at like straight years, I think Brady's got eight, nine years on Stafford. Breeze has about the mm-hmm. same. Rodgers has a couple years, but he's Aaron Rodgers. And then has Big Ben the Packers behind him. And then Big Ben's got probably like five years on him. Matt uh, Ryan came into the league a year prior. Um, but if you want to really put it in perspective, especially uh, for like Stafford, how insane the yards he's throwing is. Um, in terms of yards per game, he is the fourth all-time. Behind Patrick Mahomes, who obviously is Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes, Drew Brees, who was dominant in New Orleans, and I think one of Stafford's comparison points is Drew Brees, and Andrew Luck, who has the benefit of never declining. <laughs> <laughs> He's just had he, he he only played during his prime, so yeah, Luck has been very lucky in that regard, although. Uh. I will say that he definitely deserves I, to be. I in don't that spot. think he gets any luck. I don't think I don't think no, luck was ever. You, that you lucky. have to take luck out of the that equation with, with Stafford and then those stats. Like you, you reduce you take out luck, you take out the fact that you've got and we're not talking about Andrew Luck here, just luck as a as a stat, right? You take that out and not a stat, but you know, an unquantifiable. You take that out, you take the fact that that you both have already mentioned that he doesn't have really sure handed receivers outside of Calvin Johnson. And the fact that he's done all this and is still comparable to probably, I don't know, the four of the seven or eight you know best quarterbacks from that generation. That's insane. Of all time. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Like that's and, all time. And, and, that's not active. That's and all Chris, time. I, I throw this question at you. You know, was there a was there any point in in Stafford's career where, you know, the interceptions really became an issue? I mean, I, I just based on the fact of the teams he had to play in, I don't know if there was ever like. I know there were fans who call him out for like a four interception game, and I know he had a few of those. But I mean, he kind of had to do it. So I don't know if there was ever like doubt in Stafford's ability if he ever threw a bad. That game. was, I feel like that was one of the early knocks on him, especially kind of like the first was it the first year that we got to the playoffs, 
where everyone said like, oh, this team is great, but Matthew Stafford turns the ball over too much. And he he did turn the ball over a decent bit. You could count on him for like one a game for the beginning of his career, but he really turned that around down the stretch. And like, I feel like it's significantly overrated how much he turns the ball over. Right. And they, like, they always seem to come in bunches. Like he'd have a game where it was like two or three and then it'd be fine for like seven weeks. And then it'd be, and oh, just... he had another two and then he'd be fine for the rest of the season. And those always stuck out in people's minds. They always remembered, oh, this is, I remember Stafford turned the ball over three times last week. Uh, we, you know, he's not that great. What what are we doing with him? And that, 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 I think that really kind of stuck with people a lot was kind of, they would get the bad taste in their mouth for Stafford. They would forget about all the good times and all the good things that he did. So I feel like they do that with a lot of things in Detroit sports recently. So <laughs> all, all of them? All, all yeah. of them? Has, has Detroit ever properly been able to recognize their heroes? as in their best players as best players like megatron is i'm gonna go with not in our lifetime maybe uh, i mean maybe the 04 pistons i think they were pretty beloved regard like across the board and the red wings are of course the exception from that since they're the red wings i, I would throw the yeah i would throw the wings in there as but a glaring i feel like the overlap of wings love. fans and other detroit sports fans are they're not as overlapping as people think right that's a... i think people are wings fans or they're like Red or they're like Tigers, Lions, Pistons fans. I feel like <laughs> two separate categories. And I don't know. Like, I guess you have guys like Miggy. Like, I guess people recognize him. I don't know. It. It's Baseball's just so weird case, how yeah. in in both basketball and football, people just have set these entirely unrealistic standards for players, and then they hold them to these unrealistic standards, and then they get mad when people can't meet their unrealistic standards. And then we have to spend the next fucking decade listening to people complain about it every freaking day. Mm -hmm. And it's been exhausting. And it's so unfair to someone like Stafford. Because now those same people are going to turn around in L.A. and be like, oh, look how good he is. And Mm -hmm. it's going to be obvious. And It's like, where was this in Detroit? It's like, well, it was there. No one was looking. Right. Or inversely, he could have a bad game. And he's going to be on national television. He's going to be in a huge market. And it may... Go poorly for him. I don't think it will, just because the man's the man the man's accomplishments. Oh, he's going to have himself, a bad game. Right? Like, everybody's going to have a bad game. He's going to have a game where he throws two exactly. where he throws two turnovers and and to one touchdown, mm-hmm. and people are going to be like, oh, uh, you know, there's the real Matt Stafford. And we're like, yeah, great. You, yeah, that's there's your confirmation bias. Yeah, go mm-hmm. you. So my 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 throw in for that, and this is more talking about his impact on Detroit, is the Lions would have a bad game whoever they threw in at QB, right? Like, you'd have defensive turnovers, or, sorry, defensive you know, ineptitudes. You'd have a running back fumble the ball. But, you know, if Stafford had a bad day where he threw, and, and I, I believe every quarterback, especially at that level, is entitled to one bad or you know two bad games a season. Brady's had it. Breeze has had it. Everybody at that level. Rodgers has him occasionally as well. You have that, and you and you look at Stafford, and because he's in he's in Detroit, it's all exacerbated. You have a guy who's thrown four picks and lost the game for his team. Like, no, the Lions were never even going to be in that game if Stafford wasn't there. It's just because Stafford has a bad game, it's even more glaring because it's like, oh man, our entire offense just fell apart because Stafford's the only one like, you know, pu- pushing them up to the the pushing them up to relevancy. And if he falls flat, then the entire offense is dead. Like, there's no running game, as we've mentioned multiple times. There's no offensive line to block for that running game. There's no receivers who will get open for Stafford. He has to find them outside of Megatron. Mm-hmm. Um, so you remove, you say Stafford has a bad game. That that team is never going to win. Like, 
We watched in the playoffs just recently. Brady had a bad game. Objectively, he threw three picks, right? But that team still won. Like, the Bucks still won because of a very good running game, a very good defense, and Brady managing the rest of the games where he, the rest of the game where he wasn't throwing picks. The best w- like, that would never happen to The Detroit. best way I can describe, never. like, Stafford's career as a Lion is that, yes, he did lose some games. He would have a bad turnover and, you know, it'd spark a comeback. But he lost some games. Pretty much every win the Lions got during his tenure was because of him in some way, shape, or form. They wouldn't be in these games without him. And it's something that I feel like people just focus on the negative too much and they fail to realize how exactly. much that they wouldn't be in that position if it wasn't for him. Uh, yeah, yeah absolutely. 110%. 110%. There, there wasn't, it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a Derrick Henry like blow up game where he ran for 200 yards and just won the game on his, on his back. Right. It's like Detroit has never had that ever. It's always been, it's always been through Stafford. It's always been yep. through him. And I have some statistics that can show how much that is. So for starters, we're looking at the defensive side of the ball. Um, there was only one team, one year, did the Lions have a defense that finished in the top half of the league. That was the 2014 team we mentioned that lost to the Cowboys and went 11-5. and That was the only time ever under Matthew Stafford the Lions had an above-average defense. That's insane to me. And can we take a minute here and just be like, just recognize that that was a really fun Lions team. I miss that, that was Lions a great team. team. I miss having uh, Sue and uh, Glover Quinn and just, like, a really good Lions team. Back, uh, that was DeAndre Levy was still in the midfield, still, like, mm-hmm. uh, a pro bowler. Like, what a fun team. What a yep. really fun that Was, was that, that Slay's so first much. year, too? I don't remember. I think we had Ziggy when Ziggy was healthy. That was a good-ass I team. don't remember. I don't remember when Ziggy was healthy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very fleeting moment, let me tell you. I was about to say, yeah, it just flashes through the memory. Yep, that was, that was a great team. Um, but then we kind of go to the offensive side of the ball. We talked about this a lot already. Uh, not once in his career has Stafford had a, a running game that finished in the top half of the league in rushing. Not a single year. In fact, there was only one year with the team that finished above 23rd, and that was in 2017 when they had the 17th best rushing game. But... I mean, what we did have the one year in 2013 when we did have a near average running game, just average, not great, just average, was the year when Reggie Bush decided to go for like a thousand yards, which I know is a it's it's kind of like a famous statistic. I feel like is the year that the one time that we had a thousand yard rusher was Reggie Bush, and he he was the only one to have like a hundred yard rushing game. But I don't feel like that really kind of doesn't really put into frame how bad it was in those other years. So the next highest runner, besides that Reggie Bush year where he had 1,000 yards, was in 2014, the next year, where the backup the year prior, Joyke Bell, ran for 860 yards. That is the second most yards that a Matt Stafford running back got. The third the third one for that was Mikel LaShore, who you have to really remember who the hell he is. He was a, a draft pick for the Lions who was not great his entire time and then I believe got arrested or something like that and got pretty much kicked out of the league so he had 798 yards in 2012 before the Reggie Bush Drake Bell 
the one prior to or the the next one on the totem pole is Kevin Smith, who finished with 747 yards in 2009, which was Stafford's first year in the league, so it wasn't really even that important. After that, not a single running back finished with over 650 yards. That is so astronomically small. Like, couldn't even get 650 yards. To put that into context, in a 16-game season, that's averaging 41 yards a, 41 yards a game. Like, that's how low the bar is for Stafford and running backs. That's how little help he had at running back. Yeah. And 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 Kevin Smith went on to wear lots of hockey jerseys and talk on AMC a lot, specifically about The Walking Dead. But that's a more niche reference. Is that actually true? I'm just thinking it up. What? what? No, no. Someone else is saying <laughs> We'll talk about that one later. But Kev- I'm not entirely sure Kevin Smith is a real person, so. Kevin Smith is definitely a real person. I'm just making a joke. Um,. Correct me if I'm wrong, Chris. Was Carryon Johnson the first running back to have 100 yards since, in a single since game Reggie Bush. after yep. since Reggie Bush? That's yeah. And Carryon has like been consistently hurt over the last two seasons. I hope he comes good, but has, the Lions keep having to pull up random random running backs to to kind of fill the hole. DeAndre Swift is the new one, which he has a lot of potential. He's a is he from the SEC? He came from an SEC to, uh, SEC team, I right? Will. Georgia, right? Carrion was from Auburn. Swift was from Georgia, I believe. Okay, so we just keep like sucking up these running backs from the SEC. Praising. But not getting the Alabama ones. Yeah, we, no, we missed out on a couple of Derrick Henrys. And we had time. a good one. We had uh, Bo. Now he's off on some other team because we got signed off our practice squad. Yeah, and and th- this is more of a, a message about how the, the Lions are mismanaged tragically. But, I mean, I have my hopes for Swift. I mean, he looks good. He looked good in a few games he played this season. He also has AP in front of him mentoring him, and AP's been good. So, I have hope. I just don't think the Lions are going to be anything. I don't know if I want to transition that quickly into our predictions of the Lions yet. I don't know. Um, oh, no, I got more to go. So, so we talked about Stafford's defense and how bad they've been. We talked about the running game and how bad that's been, which is very much talked about. Talked about the offensive line a little bit as well. The one thing that everyone wants to always claim was Stafford's like saving grace was how great his wide receivers were. And people, of course, start talking about Calvin. I better not hear who, any fucking Nate Burleson slander whatsoever in uh, this segment. There is no Nate Burleson slander. He is my favorite NFL TV personality right now. I love Nate. Okay, continue. So, Calvin, of course, all-time great. Can't dispute anything. He was great when he was here. But people kind of... I feel like people always compare Matt Stafford to Matt Ryan, which makes a lot of sense. They came into the league about the same time. They've had very similar career arcs. Step or Ryan had the chance to go to a Super Bowl and has had a little bit more playoff success, but has had a little bit better of a team around him. Now, people always think, oh, they're the same player. They had a great, all-time great wide receiver in Ryan and Julio Jones, Stafford had Calvin. Like they're, They've had very similar careers. But that's not really the case, especially when you compare it to the wide receiver help. Matt Ryan had Julio for 10 years so far. He's still on the team, which is the bulk of Ryan's career. Whereas Kelvin and Stafford played together for seven years, two of which were Stafford's first years in the league where he started out having to earn the starting job. And the second year, he was hurt with his broken collarbone and didn't even play more than like four games. So that's really five years that Stafford got with Kelvin, which while important, doesn't isn't really telling the whole story. On the flip side, Matt Ryan got Julio in his fourth year in the league when he's already kind of used to the league, kind of get it, already had a feel of how to be a quarterback in the lead. In addition to that, he already had Roddy White as his wide receiver at the time, another great wide receiver. 
So Ryan's been helped out his entire career, and you can see that now with Calvin Ridley by these great wide receivers he's got around. He's always got great tools to throw to. And I feel like Stafford hasn't had the same case. The next one people always talk about is Golden Tate, of course, who for the Lions was a very good receiver. He had a lot of great games, had a lot of great memories. I'll never forget the butt touchdown he had against the Vikings. That Spectacular. <laughs> that, pic- that picture of him flipping backwards into the end zone with his butt on Sandejo, who was, I forget who the safety was for the Vikings that got hit there. But that'll always stick with me. But except for his time on the Lions, Golden Tate has not been that spe- that spectacular of a wide receiver. You can see that especially now with the Giants and especially with the Eagles, who they traded picks for him they wanted him to be like this push down the playoff stretch and he was pretty much a dud for that team so outside of his time in the lions he hasn't really done anything spectacular and he was great for the lions but i i feel like people uh give tate more credit and don't give stafford enough credit for building tate up because i feel like without stafford tate would not have done as good as he did versus if you switched out tate for like another sure-handed wide receiver Stafford would have been just fine. And you have to add, Golden Tate, for like two of those years, was the number one receiver. Mm-hmm. Which is... He was playing behind Calvin most of the time. Like, there was, there was he was here for what, four or five years? I think five. And like two or three yeah. of those were, were number two behind Calvin, and then two of those were like the number one behind, uh, probably above Marvin Jones. Mm-hmm. That's ridiculous. Yep. yep. He, he had a lot of help around him, and it allowed, you know... Him not have to face double teams or have like the best corner put on him all the time, when, especially when he had Calvin. But then you got Marvin Jones, another wide receiver that people point to saying, hey, there's a, very, there's a lot of talented receivers that Stafford you got to play with. Um, so uh, Marvin Jones, what exactly is special about Marvin Jones? He was pretty meh on the Bengals, and then when he got signed to the Lions, I'm just, I think my sentiment and everyone else in the, in the league and Lions fans are just kind of like, that seems like a lot of money for somebody who hasn't done anything. So he was pretty okay before getting here. He's been pretty solid in Detroit. He's been known for catching deep balls and touchdowns and stuff like that. But then you look at the games that he's played without Stafford, and he's had one game where he went over 50 yards, and he never had more than five catches. And in the six games he played without Stafford, he had three touchdowns in total. So I think I think Jones, now mind you, he is a free agent, so he might not be on the team as well. But I feel like whatever team he goes to, he'll have a pretty sizable regression from where he was with Matthew Stafford, depending on, of course, where he goes. Well, if he signs a vet men with the Chiefs, everything's out the window. <laughs> you have to look at someone like Marvin Jones and be like, okay, he's a guy who has, like, three routes in his route tree. Mm-hmm. Like, good tool, not a bad player, but not a number one guy for a, a legit contender. Which is what he was this year. A number two, number three guy. You know, you want to have a, a Calvin with a Golden Tate next to him with a Marvin Jones on the other side. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea that... that either Tate or Jones would ever have been the number one for a team for any extended period of time is extremely bad depth. Mm -hmm. But there's one more wide receiver that I haven't touched on yet, and that is going to be Kenny Galladay, who is now the young stud. We've seen a little bit of him, been very intrigued, but we've only seen a little bit of him, and we're only intrigued. We can't say that he's this, you know, surefire wide receiver when he's barely played with Stafford. Um, and in the games where he hasn't played with Stafford, of course he's been with the Lions his whole entire career, he had one game where he was over 75 yards passing, and that was against the Bears in 2019. And 75 of those yards came on a one catch, <laughs> catch and run, where he, I believe he took a slant to the house. So another situation where, you know, 
he probably didn't have the best quarterback play around him, but mm, he hasn't really impressed without Stafford. And then after that, you know, there's a jumble of uh, mediocre tight ends like Pettigrew, Ebron, and Hawkinson, or wide receivers who were on the way out of the league, and your boy Nate, Amendola, Anquan Bolden, Titus Young. And then some random receiving backs and Riddick, Joy Right, Bell I was going to say, we have to, we have to talk about the, Titus Young was the BYU guy, right? I think he was from, no. The one, the one that had the. He's Boise State, right? Was it Boise? Regardless, he's the one that had all the legal trouble. Yeah. Yeah. And like. <laughs> and a lot of other troubles. That's so exemplary of that era of the Lions where they just, like, he was, Titus Young was really talented and also a terrible choice for a draft pick because he was clearly not able to be a professional. Mm -hmm. And that was just, that's the kind of person that the Lions kept drafting over and over. And and you brought up the tight ends. This is one of those things, not only has he never had the running game, but this is a tight end league now. Mm -hmm. The tight ends are one of the most important offensive things any team has. And Stafford, is Hawkinson Stafford's best tight end? Uh, probably, but like, like not there are, there significantly were farther from, than Pettigrew. Pe- who's the Western tight end? Western tight end. He, he was from he was from Western University, Western Michigan. Wow, what was sorry with an S? No, he had a big Shuffler? tattoo. No, um, Jabba Jabba D. Ah. He was he was early in Stafford's career. I uh, for you? I those are the only no. tight ends I can think of. A thought, no, man. no. He, don't worry. I don't know. Don't worry. We'll head to Pro Football Reference and we'll figure this out. I'm gonna. I'm I have gonna no get idea it. who he's about to say here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get a franchise encyclopedia. Scroll back to like 2012. I think it's Scheffler is the one I can think of. Scheffler, like there were moments <laughs> where right. where Tony Scheffler was like the like he Tony Scheffler has has a shout as like the best tight end he's played with. That's how insanely terrible that position has been. Is it bad that I want to make a case for Joseph Foria? Yes. He looked really good for like a couple random catches. <laughs> like there, there was a time where, where I think Scheffler was like the the red zone target guy, mm-hmm. and like that that's basically where he's at. So that's I I think Hawkinson might be the contender yeah. for the best tight end he's played with. Yeah, but all that is to say that like I was saying earlier, Stafford's wins were wins that or the Lions' wins were wins that Stafford brought them. There wasn't any there wasn't any superstar players besides. Kelvin when he was here, but that was still dependent on Stafford and like Adama and Sue on defense when he was in his prime, but he left quickly afterwards. Like there hasn't been a whole lot of talent at all around this Lions team, which kind of is why I keep saying it's the worst run franchise in the league. There's so many problems with this with this team. So I, I feel like I've talked a lot about that. Um, so the one last statistic I want to end this on, which I feel like is appropriate to end the podcast on, which is Matthew Stafford is currently tied for eighth all time in game winning drives. He's tied right now with Matt Ryan and he is fourth active behind Breeze, Brady and Big Ben. And he's also tied for seventh all time in fourth quarter comebacks, which is also fourth active behind Brady, Breeze and Big Ben. So that just kind of puts in perspective how many times he really had to just pull through and win a game because of him. And that's where he shines and excels. And I cannot wait to see what he brings to the table for the Rams and kind of gives them that X factor at the end of the game so they could pull out a win that maybe they shouldn't have won. The same way Russell Wilson does it in Seattle, I think he can do it in L.A. Just 
real quick, who do you think in in all the quarterbacks that have been in the league since Matt Stafford's been in the league, who do you think was a better arm talent coming in? Coming into it? Well, hindsight is says Patrick Mahomes, but I don't think well, that at the time. Well, so so here's what I'm th- here's just where I'm at. His legacy is always going to be weird because mm-hmm. he was on the Lions and all this stuff. And you get into these like Matt Stafford is maybe the third or fourth best quarterback prospect I can think of in the time he came into the league from the time he was drafted to now. Like Aaron Rodgers came in. Aaron Rodgers is yeah. awesome. Stafford comes in and then purely from quarterbacking talent, it's what could have been with Andrew Luck and Pat Mahomes. Yep. And Andrew Luck beyond that, that I don't know who else has the arm talent to actually be in that conversation. It looks like maybe Josh Allen and a couple of other guys are starting to like come into that, but people. But from the from the from the jump, yeah, like people <laughs> disrespect him. the fact that Matt Stafford came into the league as a five thousand yard passer at a time like he's part of the reason why the league transformed into a league of like three to five thousand yard passers, mm-hmm. and he doesn't get enough credit for. Just being, like, not not good. You can set aside good and the and and great and the and the conversation about the stats and all. What he can do on any given play with the football is special and rare and unique, and it's basically a bridge from Aaron Rodgers to him to Mahomes of guys who can do that kind of stuff. And that's mm-hmm. it. That's the list. That's the entire list. Yep, and you just he, have to take a minute and, and appreciate that. And he doesn't get enough credit for it, but hopefully he will when he's winning playoff games. Because you talk to you talk to anybody in the league, you talk to any of those players. Stafford's name is constantly brought where they're just like, I, yeah, nine does things. Yeah, like even Rodgers is shouting him out multiple times. Yep. Other other quarterbacks, defensive backs, receivers, they will just sit there, and every time one of them gets a chance to talk about Matt Stafford. It's just constantly them marveling about how spectacular and special he is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's one of a kind in that regards. His arm talent is pretty much unmatched, with the exception of Patrick Mahomes, who's not even human, and Andrew Luck, who is like this, just the best quarterback you could ever imagine. And like even Andrew Luck, like Luck was a great pass, but he didn't have the complexity of passing that Stafford does. No. All the sidearm stuff and the flicks. Yeah, I was like, like the sidearm was a great quarterback, and he was a great quarterback for a whole lot of reasons. And one of those was arm strength and arm talent, but not the way that Stafford and Mahomes and and Rogers plays. The kind of weird, random stuff they do on the scramble where nobody else seems to understand what the heck's going on. It's unique mm-hmm. to guys like that, and yep. he he should he should be held to that standard when you talk purely about the talent he has. And people always say, yeah, well, he's so talented, but he lost in in Detroit. And it's like, no, that's not the conversation. Yeah, they bring up his record. It's like, you're that's, not looking at the picture. That's not relevant. You know, you, you put a 25-year-old healthy Matt Stafford in any team, any offense that's good, any, any Super Bowl winning team. Matt Stafford's going to be competitive on that team because mm-hmm. he's really good. He's as talented as any quarterback who's come into the league in the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't think there's anything else to say. You summed it up perfectly. I'm going to miss Matt Stafford, but I hope to see him do even better things in Los Angeles. So looking forward to seeing him play. Looking forward to cheer him on on a different team. Maybe a team that isn't as poorly run. 
and I'm excited to see what the future brings to them. So, as always, thanks everyone for listening. We'll catch you soon later this week. I think we're going to try and get another NBA pod up. So We'll get a three things out Tuesday, Tuesday night. We'll do a soccer pod sometime within the next week or two, probably, yep. hopefully. And keep your eyes open for that one. Uh, or ears open, rather. Ears and eyes. Keep everything open. Other orifices as well. Clean your pores. All right. Sounds good, everyone. All right. Thank you for listening. Bye. 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 Today's music was made by Blank and Kit. You can find a link to their music in the description.